So without further ado, I'm waiting for Pastor Jay to come up on the screen. There he is. We'll give him a second. Okay, and I'm going to pass it off to Pastor Jay. Well, thank you, Katie, and thank you, everybody. Um, I can see that I'm up now, so that's that's good. We're, uh, we'll get started here, and I just want to thank everybody um, who's uh, who's just been helping to orchestrate things uh, at the church and you know online and, and everything. Uh, just a thank you very much. Uh, we're we're back into a very interesting time, and um, I'm just really excited about what Katie was just sharing about with uh, with what we're doing for the ICU nurses. And uh, not just the nurses, but the doctors and therapists and others that come through there. There's 85 folks that are associated with that here in St. Mary's County, uh, in St. Mary's Hospital alone. And what an awesome opportunity we have to encourage them today. Um, I'm going to pray before we get started. I'm, I'm feeling very stirred in my spirit this morning. I'm excited about the message that I'm about to share with you. Uh, but I just want to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and just... Um, just guide us and lead us, uh, lead us in our hearts as we go through this message today, because it's one of encouragement and it's a, a message to call us upward and uh, to stand us firmly on our feet as we're beginning this new year. So I'm excited to bring it to you this morning, but let's start with some prayer. Okay, just join me. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, for 2022. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing this year. I thank you for what you have for the church in this year. I thank you for what you have for OFH in this year. Lord, I thank you for what you have for me and for every single person who is listening right now, Lord Jesus. I thank you for what you have uh, in store for us this year. So we just step into this new year, into this new season with faith in you, Lord, with hope in you, with trust in you, Lord Jesus. Even in the midst of what we're going through right now, I just welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come speak to our hearts today, that you would strengthen us, Lord that you would encourage us, that you would help us focus our eyes on Jesus. And we just thank you for all that you're doing right now. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to guide us through this message today. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to each of us things that I'm not even going to utter with my mouth today. But I trust you, Lord. I trust you to teach us, to strengthen us, to come alongside us. And I ask that you would just lead us and guide us today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. All right, well, we've just gone through the Christmas season, and um, it's been a wonderful time. And so I do want to, uh, to share with you um, something that, that came, uh, came to me in, in this season, and it just kind of uh, caught my attention. And I say this, this season's been a wonderful time. This is the, one of the craziest Christmases that we've ever gone through. I don't know about you. But my family uh, went through, uh, we've been going through COVID, and, um, and it started with Katie, and it's also hit a couple of other boys. But we are so thankful and so grateful that as we've made it through this time, we've actually went through quite well. And I thank again the church for all the support that you guys have given us personally through this time. You were just wonderful in lifting us up and strengthening us and standing alongside us and, and meeting every need that we had. It was just wonderful to see your hands and feet. Uh, of Jesus coming together and and helping us and lifting us up in this time. But it's been a crazy time. And I know others have faced this. Uh, we know, you know, just looking at the, the statistics, many, many people right now are experiencing uh, COVID in one form or another, and it's just been tearing through. And so uh, it's it's been it's been an interesting season, and it's one that's caught my attention. 
Um, and and I want to bring some things forward here today that that should encourage you and should strengthen you. Um, I'm I am broadcasting here from home today again uh, because even though Katie is out of isolation and uh, a couple of our boys are out of their time of isolation, I'm actually still in my time of quarantine. And so I want to be respectful of that. I want to honor that and uh, and move forward. But just so you know, I'm feeling very well. I did a seven mile run this week. I did a five mile run last last night. My my body's doing great. Um, but it's my job also to uh, to protect you. So um, I've, I've opted to stay home here and preach from home today. And I know that many of you are at home as well today, so I'm joining you from home today in this. But there's a really strong message that we have here today for you. So please, uh, I invite you to, to open your heart and hear what the Lord has to say to you today. Um, I had the opportunity, as I often do uh, during during Christmas, to watch one of my favorite Christmas movies, and that's It's a Wonderful Life. And um, I had I actually took the opportunity to watch it with our boys, and which was great because they were asking lots of questions along the way through that movie. And so I had to kind of kind of consume it in a different way to be able to share what was going on in there. Because if you've seen the movie, you know there's a lot of things that are overt, and there's a lot of subtle things that are taking place in that movie as well. Um, and I watched the colorized version of it this year. I don't know if you've seen that, but it was almost like watching a whole new movie for me. I grew up watching the, um, the black and white version of it. So seeing it colorized was was really wonderful. But there is a quote in the movie that stood out to me in a powerful and profound way. And it just keeps it's just it's been rattling around in me since since around right around Christmas when we were watching it. And that is this It's at the very beginning of the movie. And the angels are there talking in heaven. You remember the stars and they're flashing and they're talking to each other. And when Clarence, the, the main angel that is George's angel, uh, comes up, we, uh, we see the senior angel says this to him. He says, a man on earth needs our help. And Clarence says this. He says, splendid. Is he sick? And the senior angel says, no, worse. He's discouraged. And that, that right there just hit me right in the gut. We're dealing in a time of sickness and discouragement. And the discouragement, as it's defined here and declared here in this movie, is worse than sickness. And I have to agree with that. Seeing everything that we've gone through, we see that discouragement, where it's just almost like a sickness of the heart. It's a, there's a, a challenge in our heart where we've, we've lost hope. We've lost um, our expectation and our expectancy. We've, we've lost our outlook. We're, we, we can't even oftentimes uh, strengthen ourselves enough to lift our head and in that that sickness of of the heart, that discouragement, it permeates so many other areas of our life. And that's not to say that sickness isn't bad and it's not serious or anything like that. We, Lord knows, we know that it is. But discouragement hits us in our spirit. And so, as I've just been ruminating on this and uh, and considering just the state of what we've been seeing happening. I know that in myself, I could identify, wow, I've been discouraged in a lot of ways. Um, I, I've been worried about a lot of things. I've been fearful of a lot of things. And, and it's brought me to a place of, of feeling low and feeling, you know, it's, just, it's hard to lift my head. And that's not to say the Lord hasn't met me in the midst there. But I, I just trust that if I'm going through that, many of you are also. So please don't, as you hear this message, just think, oh, you know, Pastor Jay's got it all together and, and none of the rest of us do. And that's just not the case. Uh, we all deal with discouragement. We all deal with fear and worry and anxiety. And I, and I thank Tim for bringing uh, things forward as he did today, as he shared uh, his message. Um, but I believe the message that we have here today is one that is to come alongside us 
And if you're in that place of discouragement right now, the Lord is coming here today to speak to you, to encourage you and to strengthen you and to call you and invite you into what it is that he's doing right now. Now, most often we become discouraged when we focus on the things that the enemy is doing and on what's going on around us, the things that we can see with our eyes, the things that we're hearing with our ears, the things that we're perceiving by what others are telling us and, and the narrative that's going on. And we, it doesn't take, you know, anybody who's of, of great supreme intellect to tell you and identify right now that we have been in a time of incredible fear and it's been worked into um, all of our culture, all of what's going on in every news outlet and in conversations that are everywhere on social media. Everything has been designed to bring you into to saturate you in a place of fear and anxiety and worry. And we have been in that place now for nearly two years, specifically with this issue of COVID. We're here in January and we're going to be coming into February. And I think it was right around this time, two years ago, we started hearing about COVID and then we've seen the world descend into everything that it has over this, this past time. But the Lord is still on the throne and he is still moving. And there's things that he is calling his people to do right now that we need to be encouraged up out of that state of discouragement into a place of strength. And I recognize that as I'm speaking, there are individuals who are right now moving forward and just in uh in the spirit of faith in so many ways, all the way down to those that are, are being petrified by fear, that are terrorized by fear. And it's a spirit that's come against us. And I, I just want to say, no matter where you find yourself in that spectrum, the Lord has a message for you today to draw you into his strength, into what he's doing, into the power of his might over what it is that we are facing right now. So don't feel ashamed of wherever you find yourself in there. And also don't find yourself, uh, don't be prideful of anywhere where you would find yourself in that too. This is a time for us to humbly come before the Lord and step into what he has for us in this year. This is an invitation from the Lord into strength. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to be done with with fear and anxiety and worry. And several weeks ago, uh, you'll recall, we stepped up and we said, no, we are not going to be on the defensive any longer in the attack that we as a, we as a body, as a congregation have been, uh, have been facing. We're taking the offensive. And this today, again, is another step towards that in the offensive. And some of us need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of that personally, that we are on the offensive and the enemy is putting up a fight. And we're in a very specific area of the battle that we've been going through right now. And I am personally very excited and anticipating anticipating outpouring from the Lord in this time. So I invite you into that here with me today, and I'm going to lead you through some scriptures that are going to help us see things that have happened in in scripture, stories that we can draw upon as we are standing in this time, seeing what God is going to do. So if you have your Bibles with you, now's the time to get them out if you haven't already. And if you're new with us, I would encourage you to, to get your Bible out, whether you're with us online or in person, have a Bible out. You can use a Bible app as well uh, if you don't have a physical Bible with you. Uh, but we like to get into the word and see what it is that God has put into the word because it is a gift to us and it is life for us. It is life for us. Okay, here we go. We're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I've reviewed this uh, portion of scripture a number of times now, and I love teaching on it, and I'm excited about being able to teach on it here today. And I'll, I'll say this, if you've been with us throughout the time that we've been doing this COVID thing, all the way since March of almost two years ago. Uh, some of this 
some of the scripture and some of what I'm going to be sharing with you here today is going to sound familiar to you. I was looking back at my notes and looking at the sermons that I preached because I was working on this saying, Lord, this seems really familiar. Many elements from this I preached in the first message that I preached out of this house almost two years ago. So go back and review that because that that was a great message. Uh, it was it was designed for that time, but I think it's meant to really resonate throughout the season that we've been in. So here we are. First Samuel chapter 17, we're going to read the story of David and Goliath. OK, some of us don't have an incredibly deep understanding of this story. So we're going to go through it and see what God's God's put here. Uh, we, we need to see what the scripture says, because it is it is really powerful. And there are things for us to draw upon in this time. So. Think about today, as we're reading through this, the context of what we are living in right now, and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you, okay? Here we go, starting in verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. Now, I'm going to pause right there, verse 1, all right? In Judah. They were not in, uh, in their territory any longer. They were in the territory of Judah, this is God's country. This is a place of inheritance, and uh, specifically for our main character here in this story, our main figure, who is David. This is the territory of his tribe. Keep that in mind, okay? They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's about 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. Now, that's about 15 pounds. So the head of his spear weighs about 15 pounds. Okay. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Okay, so this is Saul's challenge or, or Goliath's challenge that he keeps bringing before Israel. We discover that he he does this repeatedly for 40 days, day and night for 40 days. And uh, I want to say that um, this, I shared this sometime when I was teaching this, this method of of doing battle where you would have a champion go before, um, champion from each army go and represent them. And and the fate of either army or nation was decided on that one, you know, man-to-man battle is not a, uh, is not a form of warfare that the Israelites had been engaged in. They're facing army versus army. This this champion type of warfare comes actually out of um, the northern regions of um, of the Mediterranean area, more like the Greek uh, regions. 
And so this is kind of an imported strategy that's coming into that the enemy's using ultimately to try to overthrow Israel. Okay. And so um, we see Israel being drawn into this alternate form of a battle that they're not really prepared for. And you have this giant of a man. I mean, he's literally a giant. He's got all this armor. He's very imposing. And we know from what we're, we're going to further read here that he is a warrior. He's not just a stuffed shirt. I mean, he is he's a, a real warrior, and he is, he is known uh, to be very deadly. <clears throat> and so the people are shaking in their boots. And it says here that Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now, prior to this, Remember, Saul is he is head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel. So he is like he's like a giant in their own eyes. But this man who has really lost the spirit of God now, he's been dejected. He's been rejected by God. And uh, he's used to being the imposing figure and he's used to being strong in battle. Even he is now in this place of terror and fear at what he's seeing before him and the possibility of losing the entire kingdom in, a, in single combat. And he knows that he himself can't go out there and he doesn't have anybody else. So for 40 days, they've been in this situation, this deadlock at the Valley of Elah. Okay, enter God's answer. Now, David was the son of, of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So here we go. For 40 days, say 40 days, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So he does this, what we had read before, for 40 days, day and night, he is coming before before Israel, and he is he is just striking fear and terror into them. They do not know what to do. They are in that place of what's going to happen? How are we going to be delivered here? There's there's no faith, no trust in them at, at all that they're going to be able to overcome this man. Okay, and so that fear and that terror has been worked into them now for 40 days, and they're at a standstill. Now, Jesse said to his son, David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with uh, with the shepherd, left the flock with the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Now, Listen to this. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. So David hears it and he sees all the Israelites as they as they hear from Goliath uh, his threats. He sees them run in fear. So he's observed. He's observing with his ears and he's observing with his eyes what the response of the people of Israel is. And remember, this is a shepherd. 
David is a shepherd. He is the anointed king of Israel. He is not the actual king of Israel yet, but, but Samuel has already anointed him. So he knows that God has promised him to be the king over Israel. Although at this point in time, that's not something that's known beyond his family and Samuel. And so he's he has that within him. And it tells us in uh, chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, just before this, that from that day forward, when uh, after uh, David was anointed by Samuel, the spirit of God would rush upon him. Okay, I I believe we're in this place right now where the spirit of God is rushing upon David as he is hearing. He is observing with his eyes. He's observing with his ears and he's seeing the flocks of God's people, the Israelites fleeing from this oppressor that is is spouting and spewing, spewing forth all sorts of threats towards them. Now, the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family, his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, you see that David is already just he is just repulsed by what he is seeing here. He's just looking at this this man who's been standing in their territory for 40 days now, day and night, declaring these things over the people. And he's seeing the effects it's having on the armies of the living God and that this man is defying. He is defying God and what he's doing. And he recognizes this needs to be cleaned out of our land because this will not be allowed. What's going to happen for the man who does this? So David's standing in a place of strength already. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him. This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave these few sheep in the desert? I know you are conceited. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done? said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Now listen to that right there. That's a very specific statement. Let no one lose heart. Now remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about discouragement. We're talking about fear. We're talking about terror. We've been talking about worry and anxiety and the state of living in all of this, in that place of being discouraged. It's the opposite of encouragement. It is discouragement. And it's that place where the heart, the strength of the heart is being lost. And he's saying, do not let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant, meaning him, David, will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. And so you see Saul, who we know is already living in fear and in terror of what he has seen before him by this champion of the Philistines. He is living in fear and he has doubt already. And he tries to press doubt and fear over onto David and undercut him. This man who the spirit of God is rushing upon, who's come forward and said, I will do this because this cannot exist here. And God is going to deliver deliver him into my hands. And we'll see him talk about these things. But he's in that place right now. His heart is strengthened and encouraged. And he is operating in a different spirit 
that everything else that's going on around him by the entire nation of Israel, even the head over Israel, is living in fear and tries to discourage him and tries to cast fear and doubt in his way. But he has nothing of it. All right. He says this. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So David is drawing connections from how the Lord has prepared him for this very moment. David has the has the heart of God. Remember, he is he has been a shepherd since he's been a boy. He's grown up on the fields. He's 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 the, he's a shepherd from Bethlehem. And don't don't lose con, don't lose context for what we've been moving through in this time. We've been sharing about the the shepherds on the hills and um, about how God chose them to be the first ones to to declare the the glories and the the joy of Jesus being born. D- David is from those same those same hills, those same rocks. Uh, that same place. And here he is. And he said, I have faced the lion and the bear before when when they have come after my father's sheep. Again, don't lose sight of David is connecting the physical reality of what he has been through. Because remember, God does things first in the natural and then he does it in the spiritual. And so David has been in the place where he has he has seen God's sheep, his father's sheep. He has he has been in the place where he has attacked the attacker. He has defended the sheep before, and he is seeing God's flock, Israel, in this situation, having a lion or a bear coming after them right now, and it is threatening them and threatening their very existence. And he says, God has already taught me how to deal with this problem, and I went straight after it. And when it came on me, I killed it, and he delivered me from their paw, and he he will deliver me from the hand of this one. So don't miss all those connections. David is looking into his history with the Lord and said, God is faithful, and he's given me strength to do this in the past. And so he's been faithful in the past. He's going to be faithful right now because I also know that he has called me to be the king over this people. And so I am going to continue in what he has done to train me for this very moment because I'm going to be on the other side of this in the future. And God's going to give me the ability to rescue his people from destruction. And that is part of of the anointing that David had. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and, and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling, with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. And so a lot can be said about this, and I won't go into all of it, but um, he could not take on Saul's armor. He could not take on the protective clothing that that Saul had. Uh, He was functioning under completely different anointing. And so he was not used to this. It was cumbersome to him, and it was not going to. It was actually not going to help him in battle. And you can even look at it from the perspective of we've heard about the armor of of Goliath, and Saul is is anticipating David's going to go and fight the battle on the same uh, with the same ground rules 
that have been presented to him by his enemy. And he's not doing that. He is taking up how God has trained him. He is, he's got his staff in his hand and he's got his sling. Now, a shepherd's staff oftentimes carried with it marks that represented their history and, and what had taken place. And remember, he's shared already with the king how he's fought a lion and a bear. And so he has his history in his hand. It's also a mark of authority. He's got his staff. And it's a very practical um, in, instrument as well, uh, one that's used for protecting the flock. Now, he's also got his sling. Okay, and He goes and, and chooses five smooth stones uh, from, from the brook. And so, um, again, more could be said about those stones we've talked about in the past, but he has he is choosing his weapons that he is familiar with that are bent and intended for protecting the sheep. Okay, and so he's entering into the battle this way. So David's not playing by the same ground rules. He he never does. And and never think that David went into this battle shaking and uh, and frightened. And he's just this little kid that um, was standing trembling in this place. David comes into this battle ferociously. And so listen to the words that are, are, are shared here, because he is operating in a completely different plane than what is taking place around him in the natural. He's, he's interacting with the natural, but he is functioning from a, what I would call a very heavenly standpoint here. He's got the right perspective on it, and it's God's perspective. All right. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. So, so we see uh, uh, Goliath is advancing toward him. He looked on David over. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, "Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks?" Now pay attention because we're going to hear some back and forth of the of how Goliath addresses him and the points that he addresses him on, and David's counterpoints, which are stronger than the points that come from Goliath. "Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks?" And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, David takes everything that Saul just said and did, and he returns it back from a place of strength and power in the Lord. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. That's an answer to the the, uh, issue of him coming at him with a stick. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the, of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Does that sound like he was scared and trembling in his boots? No, he, he saw everything that was around him. He knew he was standing in a place of covenant. He was standing in the land of his inheritance. This is, this is the land that his tribe owns. This is only 12 miles away from his front door. And he says, there's no way you're coming here and going to do that here on God's inheritance. I am the Lord's. I have covenant with him. I'm circumcised, by the way. You are not. And I am going to defeat you today because the Lord is the one who's in charge. I can't lose. You will lose. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Notice the difference. Goliath takes steps towards him. He's walking in. He's progressing in. He's got a shield bearer in front of him. He's progressing towards him, but it says that David ran into battle. 
David ran into battle. He didn't stand there and swing his his sling and loose his stone. He was running as he went into that. And it tells us, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. Now, this is an amazing shot, but David is adept at slinging stones. And don't lose sight of the fact that he was a rock that penetrated the mind of the enemy. Now, Jesus is our rock, okay? And he destroys any authority that establishes disorder because he is the prince of peace. And we see him, David, launching this rock, this stone, right into the mind of the enemy. It sinks in and it destroys him. And all the power and authority that has come from this enemy in this situation is just completely decimated, all right? So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Then David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Just like he told him was going to happen. He cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Now, they were supposed to become the slaves of Israel. They didn't keep up there under the bargain. They turned and ran. Then the men of Israel in Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sharim road to Gath and Ekron. Now, this is now into Philistine territory. Remember, for 40 days, the Philistines have been encamped in Judah's territory. And now Israel and Judah are pressed into Philistine territory through Gath to Ekron, the gates of Ekron, and they have pursued those who have been standing in opposition to them this entire time into their very own territory, into the very own town where Goliath has come from. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp, everything that had been left behind in the initial spot there in the Valley of Elah. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the Philistine's weapons in his own tent. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, Commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, as surely as you live, O king, I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned to killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked. David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. And we see afterwards here, going into um, to chapter 18, We see how David is put uh, in charge of many men. We see how Jonathan recognizes the spirit that's in David, and he gives him his robe. He gives him his belt. He he honors him. And uh, there's a a recognition, I believe, in the spirit there that David is the one who's to inherit the kingdom. And Jonathan is aligning himself with David, and he is honoring this one who has been the shepherd uh, redeemer of Israel in this very moment. And this is, becomes the beginning of, of what David does uh, in his defense of Israel and the military might and function of Israel. And David, we see, is operating from that place of strength in the spirit, and he's reliant upon God. He puts his trust not in his weapons, but in, in what the Lord is doing. He's watching what God is doing, and he is saying, I can't lose because God has made promises to us that he will fulfill 
in any time that we find ourselves in this place. Now, what Saul had forgotten and his um, in the, the way that he lost his power, the way that he lost favor with the Lord and where he's at in this moment, in this battle, he, he is completely ill-equipped to face. He had forgotten God's covenant promises with Israel that we can find in Deuteron- Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. And I, I, want, I want us to turn there really quick because these are, uh, these are promises that God had made that David is standing on. And they're still, they're still um, alive for us today who are, who are the Lord's. And so let's go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> we find this. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them, because the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, will be with you. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. <clears throat> do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Now, doesn't that sound very much like the things that David was saying as he stood before the army, as he stood before the Philistines, as he stood in the face of this giant, the things that he was saying in that moment echoed what the priests were to say as they go into this place. And so David is drawing on the the history of the people. And this, I think, is a really good marker of how David takes this, this place as uh, the kingly leader, as, uh, but also as a spiritual leader over Israel. And he, he's that place, that, that royal priesthood. Uh, we see, when remember, when we were talking about how he brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord into Jerusalem, he, he takes on uh, even priestly garments because he is, he's standing in that place that's in between, and he, um, he kind of points the way and foreshadows what Christ the Messiah is to be and who we are called to be as a nation of kings and priests. And so, so here he is even as he's going into battle. He's taking on that priestly role and encouraging all of the nation of Israel that's behind him in this moment. And, and we saw that when David uh, defeated the enemy, uh, all those men who had been discouraged and terrified and their hearts had been in this place of, of being downtrodden and sick and overcome and overwhelmed, what happened to them? They shifted immediately, and they were the ones who pursued the enemy into the enemy's own territory. It, it takes a catalyst. It takes a spark. It takes one man who's willing to stand up and say, no further. This stops now, and we're going to get rid of this situation. All right, let's also go into Numbers chapter 13. Okay, um, this is, uh, again, um, we're going to find in uh, Numbers chapter 13 and 14 something that we've spoken about recently uh, within the past few months uh, that we're going to draw upon here with the story of Caleb, because what we see here with David is also echoing what Caleb had been doing and the spirit of, of what we're talking about here of not being afraid of the enemy, not being afraid of giants, but standing in that place that says the Lord has given us the victory. All we need to do is step into it because as we do, he will come and fight the battle for us. So, after um, the spies had gone into Canaan, um, um, 
we find uh, the report that comes back from Joshua and Caleb and the others in that time. Okay, so I'm going to jump right in here in uh, Numbers chapter 13, verse tw- starting in verse 25. And we're going to read here into, uh, into chapter 14 because I want you to start seeing some of the connections that have happened across here. Okay, at the end of 40 days, say 40 days. Remember, it was 40 days that, um, that Goliath had been um, terrifying Israel. At the end of 40 days... They returned from exploring the land. It's the same land. It's the exact same land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But here's where fear comes in, okay? Now, many of us have been assailed by fear, and this type of thing may sound familiar to you. We see some of the good things, but then we hear caution and fear start to weasel its way in. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. You hear the sound, you hear the voice of fear that's been been coming in and you hear the voice of faith that rises up and against it to oppose it. it says, stop it right now. We should go up now and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people. It just keeps getting worse, doesn't it? All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to be back in Egypt? And they said to to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were also there, those um, who explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, in a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people in the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to the, at the tent of meeting and all the Israelites. Okay, so we see in this situation, again, there are giants in that place there is a multitude of forces there's all of this that's stacked against them and we see um we see that the nation of israel once again being in that place of discouragement they're hearing what's coming from uh from 10 of the 12 and they're saying oh my goodness this is a bad report we should have we got to go back to egypt we got to go back to where we're from 
we can't go into this place of promise that God has given to us. And there's fear and there's doubt and there's disbelief that's that's been worked in here. And they're hearing the voices of all the um, all the statistics of what's against them. And remember, too, when David was there and as we hear the account of who Goliath is, we hear these impressive statistics about this man. We, we hear all of this stuff that's true about who Goliath is. He is a warrior. He does have armor that's, that it weighs that much. He does have this spear. He has killed people. He is an imposing figure, and he is threatening. And it's a real threat. I mean, let's let's face it. He can destroy most anybody who's going to come before him, and that's why it's so scary. It's not He's not a paper tiger. It's a real thing. And just the same way here before, as Israel's about ready to come into the promised land, this is their heritage, we have that same thing being faced. There's giants in the land. Remember what we said as we went through this, this last time. The enemy wants to throw fear in our pathway, and he does that by throwing giants in front of us to keep us from the promises of God. Fear is to keep us from the promises of God. And Caleb, the one who is wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord, he is one who recognizes what's, what's there. He and Joshua recognize what God has given them, and they have a heart to press through because they know the battle is the Lord's, and he will defeat the enemy. He said their defenses are gone. Their protection is gone. Let's go in and take the land now. And we know that they don't, but God promises to Joshua and Caleb that of all the rest in their generation, everyone else will die, but those two will come into the land, and Caleb will have an inheritance in the land that he walked through. So let's fast forward now to Joshua chapter 14. Because now, again, here we are, 40 years now. It's actually 45 years beyond this point because of 40 years in the desert, and we're, we're five years into this now, where Joshua is now in that place ready to receive his inheritance that he's been waiting for. Joshua chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 6, okay? Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses said, Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers went up with me, made the hearts of the people melt with fear. There it is again, talking about the discouragement of the heart, melting with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. And remember, Caleb's name literally means wholehearted. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Remember, uh, Caleb is uh, he is from the tribe of Judah. And he's actually, as we talked about, he's a Gentile. His, his line is a line of Gentiles who's been engrafted into Judah. And here he is. He has asked for his inheritance. He says, I've been waiting and I'm ready. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised to me that day. And remember, there's Another translation says, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. I have been waiting for this. I've done these other battles. I have, I've journeyed through the desert for those 40 years, and I've pressed in here, and I've passed through the waters of the Jordan, and we have taken this land, and now I want my mountain. And those giants that are living there, we're going to decimate them. 
All right. You yourself heard when uh, then that the Anakites were there and the cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. And Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has been belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. So we see this man who is waited goes and he does defeat all of those. Uh, he defeats those that are keeping that, that land. They're Anakites. They're giants. All right. They're sons of Anak. And the place, the Kiriath Arba, was named after the greatest warrior. And we fast forward into, into the future. And here's, here's uh, David, who's descended in the line of Judah, the same tribe that Caleb is in, the same hill country um, area. And, and he's there in that same spirit and that same heart saying, I'm going to take this. And this is our inheritance. And the Lord has given it to us, and he's going to deliver them into our hands. It's amazing. You know, these, this stained heart that Caleb had is, is transported forward here into, uh, into David as well. He says, I'm, I'm not going to stand for this. This is our land, and we're going to take it. And I love how Hebron got a new name. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not called Kiriath Arba any longer. It, it's, it is renamed and is recognized as Hebron from that time forward. Uh, this is amazing stuff, okay? Uh, that whole give me my mountain, that's something that we as a people stood together in just months ago as we declared out to our territory here that the Lord has given to us as an inheritance as, as his people here in the earth right now in St. Mary's County in Southern Maryland. We declared, remember we stood and declared outside, give me my mountain. Because God has placed us here for his inheritance, which we are to steward in this period of time. Okay, so he's, he's called us into this place. He's called us to join in here. And you remember just over these past couple of weeks, we've looked at, at Jesus and Joseph and those who look back up their line towards David and others that are in the line who are those giant killers. They're, they're the ones who have trusted in the Lord. They have, uh, they've imparted that, that spirit uh, that was there with Caleb and, and Joshua and on down into David and, and beyond into Jesus, where, where it doesn't matter what the enemy is throwing up in our, in our face, the Lord has a way to go through it that is not the same game as what the enemy is doing. Jesus always, always, always calls us to face a battle from the perspective of heaven, not the perspective of earth, but the perspective of heaven. So let's look at this situation now. Let's look at this uh, the story that we're in. We're, we're looking at, at David and Goliath. We're looking at Caleb and, and the Anakites. We're, we're looking at this place where there's inheritance and there's promise and there's an outpouring. And the spirit of God that, that has moved upon these men has for the, been for them to stand up and recognize there is an enemy. He's in the camp. He's in the territory that, that we are to occupy, and he must get out. And everybody else around is being driven by fear. They've been brought into this environment of fear. They've been soaking in this place of fear. They don't know how to get out of it. But the spirit of God comes in and says, no, have faith yet in the Lord. And let's come and attack the enemy because he will fall and we will be triumphant in it and through it. Okay. So here we are now. We're in this place where we've been facing COVID for nearly two years. 
We've uh, we've had several battles in this. We've we've been in places where uh, we've felt great strength, and we've also been in places where we felt great fear. And many of us have gone through uh, roller coasters throughout this time. And where we are right now is kind of smacking of things that we re- we recall from the very beginning of this. And the enemy has been working to soak the earth in a spirit of fear for almost two years now. Not that he wasn't doing things before, but the but the way that this has come about, the way it has been attack against our 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 physical bodies and um, and it, for you know loved ones and people that we care about and all that, and it is it just engulfed the world in the spirit of fear. Now, hear me very clearly. I am not downplaying the the notion that um, that COVID uh, or the various variants that we have faced um, are real. They they are real. Uh, we have lost people, loved ones, in our house uh, to this disease. Many of us have lost loved ones um, outside of the house, in our own families, or in our workplaces. We know people. It's personal for us. We've been contending before the Lord uh, for their healing. We've been contending for them. We've seen some recover, and we've seen some die. We know this thing is real. It's not, it's not just a myth. It is truly out there. Just like David was facing a real enemy. Just like the people of Israel were facing a real enemy, it's there and it has, is actually threatening and it can cause harm. But God is seeing over this thing. He's looking at it and he says, I'm functioning from heaven and I am going to deliver you through this thing. And I am the one who you need to be looking at. Now, the statistics of the people that were in the land and the statistics of Goliath, the enemy, uh, were real. But what you see by those men of faith who stood up to lead through this, they they recognize the statistics. They're aware of them. And you should be recognizing the statistics and be aware of what it is that we are facing here because it is real. And we need to be wise and we need to understand what our enemy is. But they weren't impressed with the statistics of what it was they were facing. They were impressed mostly, wholeheartedly, with the truth about who God is and how he has covenanted with his people to give them power and authority in the earth as his representatives in the midst of those times to declare from the heavenlies his great power and his great strength and his great might to overcome the enemy. And we are, we are likewise in this season called to that place. It's time for the Joshua's and the Caleb's. And the Davids to stand up in this time and say, listen, no further, no further, because you're in my territory. You're in the territory the Lord has given us as an inheritance that we are to steward. And we are not going to give you any more ground here. In fact, we are coming after you. We are coming after you and we are going to run towards you because the victory is the Lord's. The victory is the Lord's. Now, am I calling you to be reckless, people of God? No, I'm not calling you to be reckless. I'm calling you to be wise. I'm sitting here today in my in my house because it is wise for me not to not to come in and be around a lot of people right now. I recognize that. But I am in spirit saying I will not allow this to come any further. We are going to stand not in a place of fear, but in a place of strength in the Lord. Our focus is on him. He is the one who is over all of this, and we are on the attack. We are on the offensive. And some of us today are already in that place. We say, yes, let's come after this. Some of us have been in that place of discouragement, 
And we can hear this and say, you're right, I'm getting up, I'm going to gird myself and ready myself for battle. And some of us are still in the place where we can barely even lift our head. It doesn't matter where you are in this thing. You, the Lord is for you. He is not against you. He will meet you in every place you're at. We are part of a body that is diverse and we're all at different places in this, but I'm calling us as a people to rise up at this time and do battle in the heavenlies because let us be certain this is not a flesh and blood battle, although we see it taking place in the environment of flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle and God has given us authority in the spirit. He has given us authority over the territory that we reside in. We are his representatives here, but we only need to look up to him and recognize that he has done this and he has called us to this. We need to have a bigger understanding of who we are and the authority that we have in this place and recognize that this is actually a battle. You know, my wife Katie is there with you today in person. Uh, Barb Mashter, uh, Pastor Daniel's wife, is there with you today in person. They both got uh, started having symptoms from this. Uh, this variant at the same time, two two Sundays ago. I know of other uh, pastor's wives that have been sick in this area. Uh, I know that there's an, uh, a, a pastor's wife that, that died recently. I don't know if it had anything to do with COVID, but it, it, there's, there's an attack against pastor's wives in our region right now. This is a spiritual battle. It's meant to that, that specific attack is meant to dishearten us. It's meant to dishearten shepherds over the flocks. And so many of us are contending within our own households right now for the life and well-being of those that we love and cherish most dearly. This is a very pointed thing, and it should make you mad. It should make you upset at the enemy and, like David, rise up and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's that's tromping in my lands? Now, recently as well, prior to uh, this Omicron variant coming about, and by the way, that just that name Omicron just makes me mad. Because we've had Alpha and Beta and Delta, all these fairly tame-sounding names. But Omicron, this name just sounds fearful. It's intended by the enemy. doesn't matter how man selected it. The enemy has intended this to strike fear into your heart. Just, just the sound of that name sounds more menacing and terrorizing. And we say, look, look how big this is. Look how quickly this thing has accelerated. Look at the statistics on this. Look how many more cases. Everything that you hear about it is bigger it's faster, it's coming after you, and it's ripping through all of the defenses that we've had previously. It is all meant to incite fear in you. And I'm again, I'm not denying any of the facts about this thing. The facts are the facts. The numbers are there. They are what they are, just like the facts about the, the giant were true. But the truth of who God is is superintended over all of those facts, and that is what we need to be focusing on. Walk in wisdom, but walk in fear of the Lord. Don't fear this thing. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Take authority in the spirit. Take authority in prayer. Take authority in worship as we rest under him. Just like we spoke about last week, how Jesus lay down in that place of vulnerability in the manger. He lay down in that place of vulnerability in the back of the boat in the middle of the storm. He lay down in that place of vulnerability, actually dying and being in the ground. And through all of it, he knew that there was a greater plan and a greater purpose, and he was still in control. Likewise, we are to lay down in this place of vulnerability and rest in who the Lord is and who our Father is over us and take authority in the heavenlies over this thing. A few weeks ago, prior to our family being uh, attacked by this thing, there's a, a, a location here in our neighborhood 
that I love to walk through. Our family loves to walk through. It's been a sanctuary for us. It's a, there's a grove of trees and there's, uh, there's streets through there that are empty that we walk through and I, I pray there. I, I meet the Lord there. We, it's, it's been a refuge for us during a time of COVID where we couldn't go anywhere else. We could go out into the woods and we could be with the Lord in, in this place. And, uh, I was coming in from a run and I was just praying with the Lord and, and having a good time, uh, speaking with him. And as I was walking or running through the trails there, uh, on the roads in this, this place, I came across two things that I could see in the distance. And what is that? What's there in the road? And as I came up upon it, <clears throat> I found two pentagrams that had been drawn in salt, like road salt, on the roadway there. Big, probably you know, 10 feet in diameter, each one of them, two pentagrams. And I saw this and said, absolutely not. I will not stand for this. This is a sanctuary for my family. This, is, this place is in my own neighborhood. The enemy knows what he's doing. Now, he's u- utilizing people to carry out his plans, but he knows that is a sanctuary for us and our family. And it's a, it's a hidden place, and it's a place where not many people go. So to go there and to find these things, I recognize this is an attack against our family. This is an attack against our neighborhood. This is attack an attack against our region here. Now, that's if, if you're familiar with that, this is satanic worship type of things that are going on in my neighborhood very in a very overt way. Okay, I scuffed those things out. I spread them out. I rebuked it. I prayed in tongues. I, I called in the name of Jesus, the anointing of the Lord. I said, this is not going to happen. I'm going to stamp this thing out right now. Now, I want to draw some things to your attention. There are real spiritual attacks that are taking place in our region. Okay. There are attacks that are being taken are taking place against the leadership of God's people across the region here. There are overt things that are be done, being done by those who uh, are operating in the complete opposite spirit of what we are called to as Christians, as Christ's ambassadors here. Those who he has put on deposit here to represent him. And it's working against what God would do here. If there are those who are willing to align themselves with the enemy and welcome what he wants to do, welcome all this sickness, welcome all this disease, welcome and open up this region to his attacks, we as the people of God for sure must be doing our part to stand up and and destroy these works in the heavenlies. You have authority in your words to destroy the disorder that the enemy would bring here because you are the Lord's representative. You have the spirit of God inside you. You don't have to be a pastor to do this. You don't have to be a ministry leader to do this. You don't have to have gone to Bible college to do this. You have to be a believer in Christ, having his spirit living within you to declare these things. And God is calling us in this moment to stand in that same spirit David had to say, no, you will not come into this place. If this is the Lord's inheritance, it's his battle. He always wins his battles and you are going to be defeated. I am standing here as his representative in my weakness depending upon him and declaring his strength, his faithfulness, his loving kindness over this region, declaring healing and rebuking the fear that has been permeated throughout this place. You have the authority over yourself. You have authority over your household and you have authority over the region that you live in. You are God's representative here. So we're going to do some battle today with this. We're going to do some battle in this, and I'm I'm excited for us. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask you to stand up with me. Um, I'm gonna be praying, and then I'm gonna invite uh, Katie and Princess Barb to come in. They're gonna be praying too because there's some real authority that needs to be unleashed right here. 
So if you are hearing this right now and it is stirring your spirit, maybe you've been in a place where you've been racked with fear, or maybe you've been in a place where you find that you've been speaking fear. It doesn't matter. It, even if you're in a place where you've just, fear has been dogging you in some way or another, and you've been standing in that place holding firm in the Lord, Lord, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to wrestle and, and, and stand firm. I'm going to invite you to, to, to step up in that now. And as I do, I'm going to uh, read from Ephesians chapter 6 to you, okay? Literally stand up. Everybody that's there in person, stand up. If you're at home, if you have the ability, please stand up, okay? Hold, hold your word in your hands. Hold God's word in your hands right now and and be strengthened by what he's saying here. We're going to Ephesians chapter 6. We're starting in verse 10. This is about the armor of God, and it is just as important to you today as it was when Paul wrote this. Okay, so so own this and, and literally in your mind, picture this armor of God that he has given to you as a gift that is being put on you, okay, and, and you're putting it on. And visualize that in your mind. Just focus, Lord, this is real. This is a real thing. Help me to see what it is that you're doing in me. It says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, keep standing. If all you can do is stand, just stand. Take this moment right now as a prophetic step that you're taking to stand in the midst of this. And stand and recognize that you are you are the Lord's. If, if, if you are the Lord's, if you have come to Jesus, his light and his life is in you. And you glow in the dark. You shine in darkness. And right now there's spiritual forces around us and they can see you glowing brightly. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You are to bring that gospel where you go. Don't don't forget in all of the things that are going on right now, You still have the same mandate that's been here for 2,000 years that you are to go and you are to bring the gospel of Jesus, of the kingdom to the world that is around you. Even now, even in this time of COVID, even in this time of Omicron, you are to go even now and bring the light that he has given you to the darkened world. Okay. in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Imagine that, that shield of faith that's protecting you from those flaming arrows, all the lies of the enemy, everything that the enemy would do to try to to burn you down right now. Take up the shield of faith. Your faith is the protection for that. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. For all the saints, be praying for one another, be praying for for the believers, be praying for the, the body of Christ here in Southern Maryland, be praying for the leadership of the body of Christ across the churches here in Southern Maryland, be praying for every sheep of every flock right now, that they would rise up right now and they would, like the people of Israel, pursue the enemy into his camp. 
because we are on the attack. We were never meant to be on the defensive. We were never meant to be sitting in a standstill. We were meant to be on an attack. And so we're going to do that right now. So let's just pray. Let's just pray right now. Father, I thank you that you're taking us from a place of fear to a place of faith, Lord, that we are to walk with you. We are to run with you into this year, Lord. We are to run hard after you. Lord, I just repent personally, and you can repent with me right now. I just repent personally right now, Lord Jesus, for all the ways that I have sinned by allowing fear to come and enter my heart, for the fearful things and and the anxious things that have come from my mouth, Lord. Any way that I have led anyone else and myself, Lord, in a place of fear and, and stayed in that place, Lord, I just repent from it right now. And I choose right now, Jesus, to align my eyes, to align my steps, to align everything that I'm doing with you right now, Lord, to stand in this place of faith, Lord, depending on you. And so right now, Lord Jesus, as the shepherd over this flock, I call them to stand to their feet, to step forward, to rise out of fear and stop dwelling in fear and to step forward in faith. And Lord, I ask that you would release upon each one of them an understanding of what the the step of faith is that you're calling each of them into, because it's unique, Lord, into this place in this week, Lord Jesus, to step forward in faith. Lord, that we would move as a people from a place of defense, Lord, to offense. And Lord, I just pray for your people to arise in this time, that we would galvanize in your spirit, Lord. We would galvanize in unity in you, Jesus, recognizing that you are the one, Lord, who's called us to this time. You are the one who has called us to this season. You are the one, Lord, who has the victory, and we can step forward in it. I thank you, Jesus. We just bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to be staying on here because I'm I'm going to invite Katie and Barb to come forward because they are two who have a testimony right now of having moved through this time of COVID. They both have experienced that attack. They both have gone through that, and they have a testimony of, of the Lord's delivering them through this, and they are going to stand, and they are going to bless you and release what it is that they've carried and anything else that the Lord has for them to share right now to pray that over you, okay? And then I'm going to come on at the end of that. So let's switch over. And um, Katie and Barb, come on up. I'm looking forward to your prayer here. Okay, before we pray, I felt like the Lord wanted me to wear my running shoes this morning. And these aren't just my regular running shoes. These are my trail shoes. And I love being out on the trail. You fall, you get back up. I love running on the trail. And when I told Jay this morning, I think I'm going to bring my running shoes. I don't know if I'm going to wear them or not, but I I think I'm going to bring them. He said, well, you know, David ran into battle with the Lord. And so it just felt really appropriate. But I want to tell you a little bit more about why I wore my shoes this morning. For two years now, it was the very beginning of 2020, we had a worship night. And the Lord said to me that night, very clearly, it's time to run. Two years ago. And then we stepped into COVID and the world came to a screeching halt. And it felt... Just almost ironic that the Lord said to run when there was literally nothing going on. And I literally ran during that time, and it's been such a source of encouragement and time um, just to spend and commune with the Lord. But it's so much more than that, and he has continued to reiterate that to me over the past two years. And even a couple months ago, I had a dream. I don't know. I've been out of school for a long time, guys, and I still have those dreams where I'm not prepared in the classroom. 
I don't know if anybody else has those dreams, but I was in PE class and I had my PE uniform on and I was wearing high heels. And I looked down at my feet and I started to panic because I was not ready for PE class. I was not ready to run and I was trying to figure out how I can get my my PE running shoes there. And it just, afterwards when I woke up and, and I remember this dream, it, we have to be, I need to be, we have to be prepared. We have to have the right shoes on. We have to be ready. And, and I, I felt like there might be a day where the Lord asked me to wear my running shoes to church and thought, oh, that's sort of weird and a little embarrassing. And this morning I was listening to a prophetic word and it was, part of it was talking about the Lord running. And I thought, oh, here it is again. He is ready to run. And I knew that I needed to wear my running shoes this morning to church as a prophetic act that I am, I am ready. I don't know what that means. And maybe there are others who have been hearing the same types of things, maybe in a different way, something that speaks to you, but it is time. It is time to run. I don't know if it's to a battle. Maybe that it's to a battle. I don't know what the Lord is wanting us to, to run with him towards. It has to be with him. I don't want to run on my own. Okay. I don't want to do it in my own strength. I want to do it with him. If he's ready to run, I want to run too. So we're not running from 2021. I mean, it was not a fun year. There were wonderful parts of 2021 and there were really hard parts of 2021, but we're not running from it. We are running into 2022 and whatever the Lord has for us. So Barb and I are going to pray. Um, one of the reasons that we're up here is we're, we're, we're a statistic. We're a number. We're part of that data that you guys, that we can look at on a daily basis on the, you know, the CDC website or the St. Mary's County Health Department. But we are more than a statistic. We are more than a number. We represent the Lord's healing. We represent the Lord's grace. And I see many of you also out here who also represent the Lord's healing and the Lord's grace and his mercy. I also know we have seen devastation in our own house. But in that time, the Lord was still with us. He never left us. He showed us his faithfulness in ways that were unexpected, in ways that sometimes we had to really look for in those times. But he has been faithful. He has been so good. He has been so kind and loving. So we're going to pray over you guys. You want to start? I'm super charged up. Pastor Jay's message was totally awesome. So I'm very excited. Yes, yay, God, give a hand clap to that because we're not going to live in fear. And of course, God always gives us practicality to it. Wouldn't you know, this week, my mentor encouraged me to, to, to go home and to take oil and put it on my door frames and put it in my bedrooms and cast out all fear and anxiety out of my house because I don't live in fear. So any of you that is home right now, go in your kitchen, get your olive oil because we take communion, which is just a cracker and some juice and believe that that's Jesus and believe that that olive oil is oil from Jesus Christ and anoint your home and cast out the spirit of fear. It is evil and it shouldn't dwell in your home. So you cast it out today. So if you're already home, you've got a head start. Everybody else in this room, go home and cast it out. And the coolest part about casting it out of my home this week, my girls joined me. Amen and praise God, because we're not going to be a home that's in fear. That's right. So let's lift up our hands to God and pray. Dear gracious heavenly father, Lord, we know the enemy attacks us, Lord, and the enemy has tried to get on us for two years. And Jesus, we just stand right now today, as Pastor Jay has asked us to, Father, with our armor from the top of our head to the tips of our toes, and we will not 
live in fear. We will not dwell in the spirit of fear. And God, I cast out any spirit of fear that dwells in this house, God, because it can't reside in here because this house has a strong foundation, a firm foundation that's been laid with Jesus Christ. Jesus had no fear. David had no fear. Caleb had no fear. Joshua had no fear. Barbara Matchair has no fear. And every person in this building has no fear against COVID because you, God, died on the cross for our salvation, our healing, Lord, you died for Katie and I to be healed of COVID, Father. And we thank you in your name, Lord Jesus, that you not only healed us, Lord Jesus, you sustained us, Father God, and you let us be a witness, Lord Jesus, to who you are, Lord. We love you, God. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. And God, right now, Lord, I just ask for a spirit of repentance for every believer that calls themselves a member of this church, Lord. We repent, Father, for the fear that we let creep into our homes, for the fear that we have put into our children. Lord. We repent of that fear, God. We ask that you forgive us for that fear, Lord. We ask that you take it away from us, Lord Jesus. And God, we are, we, I have changed my language in my home. Yes, Lord, I am a princess of Jesus Christ, but this year I am a warrior and so are my girls, Father God. We are going into battle for you, Lord Jesus, and we are going from the tip of our head to the toes and the armor that you've given us in Ephesians, Lord Jesus, and not one of those verses, God, gave us fear. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in this house, God. We thank you, God, that you have called us to go out into our community, Lord, to be those people that pray over people, Lord, and cast that fear and doubt away from them. And Lord, I just ask, God, that if we are immense people, among people who have COVID, God, that we just cast it out of them, Lord, that we lay hands on them and pray, just like Jesus did, God, who had no fear over those people that had diseases that could take his disciples out, God. He didn't tell his disciples not to lay hands on them, Lord. He said, lay hands on them and cast it out, God. Give us, Lord Jesus, that security in you, Lord, to lay hands on people that are sick and dying of this stupid COVID, Lord, and give us the power and the strength to cast it out of their bodies, Lord, with no fear and nothing to affect us as we cast that out. And we thank you, Lord, in your name and in your son's name, Jesus, who died on the cross. Yes, who even died on the cross for COVID, Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for what you're going to do in us and through us. Amen. Father, we thank you for, yes. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your victory that we can declare now, Father God, because you have already been victorious in every situation. I pray this week that as we walk out of this building, as we walk out and emerge from our home, Lord, as school starts again, Father God, that you would drop the scales from our eyes, Father God, that we would see the world around us with with your eyes, with fresh eyes, Father God. When we see numbers, when we hear stories, when we hear statistics, that we will see it through your victory, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that you are going to renew our minds, renew our thinking, refresh us, Father God. And I pray that as schools are in session, Father God, this week, that there would be a peace over the schools, Father God, that these kids and these teachers, Father God, and the administrators and all the support that goes into running a school, that they would not walk in there with fear, but they would walk in there and they would find your peace. They would find your calm. I pray, Father God, that that you would bless each and every school building and the community that inhabits it, Father God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father God. And as Barb pointed out, Lord, help us to lead our kids in a place of strength, from a place of strength, Father God, that they will not fear what they see, but they will see you, God, as bigger in all of this.
I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your goodness, your kindness. I thank you for all that you were doing. I thank you for the the unction that you were placing within us, Father God, even if we don't understand it, Lord, even if we don't know what exactly it means. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the desire to pursue and run after and run with you, Father God. Be with us. Strengthen us. Keep our eyes focused on you. Help us to not be distracted by the things around us, for that's all that they are. They are distractions meant to take our eyes off of you keep our eyes off of you or keep our eyes on you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Man, aren't they awesome? (laughs) Thank you, ladies. You know, I, I was reminded this morning as, um, was getting ready and, and thinking about Katie and Barb praying. Um, something we learned from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, and that's this is actually, uh, I believe it's an African proverb, and it's that uh, the daughter of a lion is a lion. All right? And so you had two daughters of the lion stand up here and lead us through prayer just now. Uh, a couple of things, okay? Uh, this thing, COVID, there is a spirit behind it. Is a, it is a demonic spirit. Okay, and so when you're praying against COVID, you rebuke that demon that's there behind it. Okay, and you take authority of that demon and you cast it out. All right, over yourself if you're sick, over someone else in your household that may be sick, friends, family, doesn't matter. You cast that demon out in the name of Jesus. All right, and we also tell that demon it has no place in this region that we live in. Because this is the Lord's inheritance, and we are his representatives here. Something else I want to share with you. I had you I had you say 40 days a couple of times. We recognize 40 days, 40 days, 40 years, right? This number of 40, is a, it's a time of testing. It's a time of trial, okay? We see it repeated throughout throughout history in the Bible, that, that number 40. Do you know how many days that we knew about Omicron in the year 2021? Omicron was first discovered uh, by what I can find on the 22nd day of November. There were 40 days starting at that 22nd day of November through to the end of 2021. We are in the time right now in the, the story that we have read today, which is the biblical record and account of what happened in Israel, that we are to stand on in this and recognize 40 days was up at the end of the year. And we are on the we are to be on the attack and on the offensive and say no more. So just join with us this week as we as we continue to contend. Our eyes need to be set on Jesus. We're to step forward in him and to remember that the victory is his. It always has been his. It is his right now and it will always be his. And we are his. So step forward today in this. God bless you. God bless you for 2022 and all that the Lord has for us as a people in this year. We are moving forward in faith into this year. And so I just I just invite you into this right now, that you would step forward in your identity in Christ. Be wise in how you walk, but do not allow fear to have a foothold in you. God bless you, everybody. We'll see you soon. All right, I'm just going to dismiss all of you. Go in peace, go in joy, go in victory. Um, If you would like ministry, there will be a couple of us up here willing to pray. Um, If not, have a wonderful Sunday. Amen.